You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan on this <sighs> very, very weird Monday after the game. It was a uh, it was a long weekend, Grump. I went to two Nick games and a Giants game in the course of about under 30 hours. So I was a little tired and just, uh, you know... True to my namesake, a little cranky after the uh, the giant game. Obviously, sitting in the garden, but um, yeah, weird. You know, it's you, it's such a rare. It's it's like seeing you know a no hitter in baseball. It just hardly ever happens, and it's weird when you're there. So it, we'll just have to talk about what that means, and you know, how do we feel after that game? Well, I'd say the NFL is good for what, like one tie a year, usually about. Yeah, maybe one a year, maybe one every two years. There are two this year that right. happens. I've never experienced one though, and I've certainly never experienced one in the stadium. Well, it was weird. I, I mean, I remember going back to I think it was '82. It was Parcells' first year. Giants and Cardinals played on a Monday night, and both teams were terrible, and they tied. And that year, we finished uh, three twelve and one. Um, this is the second tie I've ever been to in person. Um, the first one, of course, was the choke a doke in uh, in '94 when Florida beat blew a 31 to three lead in the fourth quarter against Florida State, and those pussies didn't go for two to win the game, and we ended up tying 31-31. So, um, you know, that one was that felt you know it didn't feel like a loss. It felt like somebody shot my kid. I was that upset after, so it was really bad. Um, this was just it was just kind of a to me, it was more of a frustrating feeling of, you know, we could have had this one, you know, and, it, you know, all the, the pregame hype about Washington, how they really turned the corner and watch out for them and woe are the Giants. They don't win this game. They'll never win another one. I kind of feel better about our situation after the game, but damn it. You know, it's just a, it's more of a what could have been than a, than a feeling like we lost. Well, what makes it really interesting is <laughs> Leaving the stadium, first of all, not that I'll ever understand this, but Washington fans were elated, and Giants fans, and were were dejected, and it just, I was like, did we lose? Like, what's happening? Well, everyone, the guy who was sitting next to us was an imbecile. I mean, that guy, all he cared about was just look at me, look at me, look at me for four quarters. So I don't care about that guy. But you're right, there was definitely, there was a sense like they've accomplished more than we did, you know, and it's, you know. We could talk about what the implications are of this game, you know, how it kind of eliminates a tiebreaker that wasn't in our advantage and all this stuff. But they act, definitely acted like, you know, they've arrived and they, they, you know, it meant more to them that they tied other than, you know, the fact that they didn't, they didn't lose. Win. Yeah. Right. The, the, the worst thing about a tie is that it did feel like a loss. I mean, like going down the escalator, it was very much that same vibe. I've, Never experienced a tie before, but it felt exactly <laughs> like it felt like when we lose, right? You just have uh, hordes of people looking at the ground, and they're just 
mad. Yeah, I think the, the stadium felt that. I think what I usually do in situations like that, and I did this also in that Florida game, was I, I immediately, my brain starts calculating. What does this mean? And that kind of preoccupies me of being just angry or upset of a loss. It was like, okay, what does this mean for, you know, tiebreakers for the wild card and, and, and these different things? So that kind of preoccupied me for being angry or upset or that losing feeling. Well, I, I don't know. I couldn't decide what the worst thing about a tie was. Um, I couldn't decide if it was – well, what, what do you think is the worst thing about a tie? The worst thing about this tie or a tie period? The, the worst thing about a tie. <laughs> it's just stupid. I mean, the sports where there are ties, you know, are hockey and soccer. And there's a reason why there are ties because they, you are awarded points. You're rewarded, you know – Two for hockey for a win, one you know one for a loss. It used to be you got one point for a tie. Soccer is three and one. So a tie isn't the end of the world. It's just like, okay, you earned a point and you move on. It's the end of the season. There are no points in football. So it's you win or you lose. And there's like this not nebulous. thing is really stupid. There's, there's like a nebulous standings thing. It's like, well, we have something built in, but it doesn't happen often. So we don't really care about it. And, and it's just like, so take it out. And then also, they've changed the rules to have more ties. I mean, they, they made it shorter. From 15 minutes to 10 minutes makes it shorter. Now, I get it. There's a potential for more ties because of the, you know, you kick the field goal, the other team gets a chance. But I'd rather have that op- that option and have more ties than a team getting screwed by getting a kickoff and kicking field goal game over. But it's just... You know, if we were so concerned about player safety. There's so many other different things they can do, like maybe not play Thursday night games. <laughs> Stuff oh, like that. I mean, that's that's my number one thing. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're hypocritical. Uh, you know, play until somebody wins. I mean, how many games have we seen where there's no scoring for two quarters? It doesn't happen in, in football. So, you know, if, if, if it somehow goes to the end of a period, keep playing. Make the second overtime sudden death again or something i don't know it's it just seems dumb it doesn't you not seem like, like the way college does it well i mean it's better than a tie i'm, I'm asking you oh the overtime the overtime in college do you like, like do you the, like it better yeah i like the overtime in college better than i do the pros sure me too because it's it's more fair i mean if you play 60 minutes each team has an equal shot to win and play and you know this is primarily on winning a coin toss means so much more and you know even if you don't you know you get a first down or two then you still punt and you pin the other team back it's not the same fairness and don't give me well you gotta stop them on defense that's bullshit you know this is an offensively that that used to count that used to be a valid argument then since like 2002 they've slowly been chipping away at what defenses are allowed to and are not exactly Yeah, so I like the college one better. Now they've they've also adjusted the college rules, so you don't have the seven and eight overtimes like you used to. It's you know after the first one, then you have to go for two and things like that. Hmm. Um, if you don't want to be here forever playing, but you know something, keep playing as much. Try to make the game as realistic as you can for as long as you can before you have to get to the more gimmicky things just to get it over with. Um, I couldn't decide. The worst thing about this tie is it. You know, we sat through ten minutes of excruciating agony, uh, just to leave with the same outcome anyway. 
The worst um, thing about the tie is we we didn't win a home division game and we still winless in the division. That to me is the worst thing about it. Uh, I think also that I bought tickets to a must-win game just to see it get postponed until two weeks from now after I watched <laughs> three hours of something else. But I'll tell you something, you know, people that are not upset about the tie are uh, NBC because they flexed the second game to a Sunday, Sunday night. night. So now they yeah. can, you can promote it as the fifth quarter. You can promote it as whatever. That, now we'll settle the score. I mean, the, that game was 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 moved to Sunday night primarily because of the monster ratings between the Giants and the Cowboys on, on Thanksgiving. And, you know, this is a team that people will attract eyeballs. You have an old rivalry, again, settling the score of a game from two weeks earlier. It just happened. Um, means we're not going to Washington, Grump. Um, we also were exposed to Charles Leno talking about kissing his sister. Um, that's another yeah. horrible thing that came about from this tie. Um, <laughs> and for the first time in my life, I have to think about playoff tie scenarios, which I think are actually fairly simple right now, which is mainly that they have to win against Washington and Indianapolis, and they should be they should be okay. I believe so. That's correct. Um, it's still going to be um, – yeah, no, that, that should be it. Uh Nevertheless, let me, let me ask you a question, you know, before yeah. we break down the game itself, after this game, you know, and, you know, we're, we're getting healthier than we were against Dallas and we played reasonably well and we'll break it all down. But do you feel better about the potential that we're not just going to get swept out of the two at Philly, uh, you know, the Minnesota game, all these other ones, it, it comes down to those two, or do you, do you still feel like those, those are three losses right off the bat? No, I don't feel good about a single thing. Okay. Um, better than you did, or? No, I don't feel any better than I did. I, I okay. I'll say this, and I, I want to. We'll we'll start breaking down the game. Yeah. I here's what I feel good about. This is probably the first time that we saw most of this defense, at least the front, healthy, and it looked good. Um, mm-hmm. Aziz Ojolari came back. This is his first game back, really. He played the whole game. They threw him in for 50 snaps. That's a decent chunk right there. Mm-hmm. And he was impactful right away. One tackle, one sack with a forced fumble, two QB hits. Kayvon Thibodeau continued a hot streak. Five tackles, one sack, two QB hits. Dexter Lawrence continues to be dominating. Nine tackles, one sack, two QB hits. Jahad Ward, that veteran presence on the defensive line, continuing to be reliable and relentless. Three tackles, one sack, two QB hits. Even Justin Ellis got in on the show. Two tackles, a sack, and a QB hit. Leonard Williams, three tackles, one QB hit. Even O'Shane Ziminis, two tackles, a tackle for loss. The front four combined for 10 quarterback hits. Yeah, and this is Aziz Ojolari's first game back, and Leonard Williams didn't play in the fourth quarter. And not only just ten hits, it definitely seemed like Tyler Henneke was in distress and making decisions, you know, faster than he wanted to a lot of the game. Absolutely, and uh, that's kind of what we thought. That's what we hoped. Mm-hmm. But I guess for me, for for talking beyond this game, it was nice to see what we should have had all year on the defensive line. Um, mm-hmm. It was, you know, I, re- I really didn't know what to think of Aziz in his first game back. Like, I, I didn't, I wanted him to eat. 
I thought that there would be a good chance for him to eat, but it's the first game. I mean, he hasn't played in so long. Really think about, like, the last yeah. full game he played was a, a year ago. Right. right. So I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, obviously he's been practicing, right? So, like, it's not like he hasn't moved in a year. Right. He hasn't been, like, sedentary. But I, I just – I didn't expect, you know, whatever. He was he was he was pretty pretty relentless for his first game back. It was and he's a good compliment to Kayvon. You can see it now. He's got the bend that yeah. he that Kayvon doesn't have as much of. He has a little bit more speed, I think, around the edge. Um They're they're a really, really good combo, and it looks like they're both going to be here for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And uh that's really, really nice when you have Dexter Lawrence in the middle and we think he's gonna get extended as well. That's a nice little trifecta on the defensive line that I think most teams in the league are a little bit jealous of, right? Well, and then Leonard Williams, I'm sure they'll probably do something with his contract to keep him around. I don't think they want to. Uh, maybe. I mean, they'll. I'm not sure. You know, I don't know. I don't know how how they view him and his money and his contract and his age and all that stuff. But I think it's definitely possible that they want to keep him around. I, I would not say that he's a guy that they can't wait to get rid of, like we could say with Kenny Galladay, right? Oh, not at all, not at all. But I think the opposite. I think they want to find a way to keep him as opposed to getting just getting rid of him. I, I, uh, but I don't think they can. it can work at these current terms. I think they're going to have to do something. Yeah, I do not think that they value him at the money that he is making. Correct. That's that's that's, that's, that's right. Uh, defensively, also though, I thought Julian Love is continuing to have a really, really, really good year, especially with the extra work that he's got to do over Xavier McKinney. Twelve tackles in this game. One was a tackle for a loss. He was all over the field. He nearly had a pick in a, in a huge moment at the end of the game. There. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. Uh, what's his contract story? He's a free agent. He's a free agent, so he is. Uh, his agent is getting very happy with every game that's played with him. Yeah, but 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 it's also this is very much earned for him because oh, of course. He, he's. But but you know it's not just him playing well and deserving a contract. He's now taking on an increased role, mm-hmm. something that you know he shouldn't really be. You know, if you, if you want to field a really talented team, you really wouldn't have Julian Love pegged for your starting free safety. Mm. You know, you know, he's a really good role player, and he's got a spot, and it's probably best in the box. You know, but you know, he, he's just taken on such a huge increased role. It's Xavier McKinney that has the radio helmet. It's really his job to get everybody lined up, and right. without really missing too much of a G, of, of a beat, Julian Love jumped in there and did all that. Um, and he's he's played well for multiple weeks now. Speaking of Xavier McKinney, I believe he's technically eligible to be. Um, taken off of the NFI list, and uh, well, we don't expect that though, right? I think no. his hand is probably a little bit more mangled. I think it's gonna take a little while than just being available to come back. Yeah, and I think when he comes back, I I think he's gonna be wearing a club, which means mm-hmm. for a safety, I mean, just yeah. added balls. I guess he's not gonna get in too many picks. Yeah. Um, I have broken many a bone in my life, and none have healed in four weeks. None. <laughs> Um, but all right, let's talk about the defense a little bit more here. Um, I thought that they were really solid up front, like we mentioned, right? But where are they getting let down? How did they let 20 points from the Washington Commanders get on the board if they're so good, right? Um, it's the back. The back end is they're just hurt. Adoree Jackson being out is a massive, massive problem. Mm-hmm. Fabian Moreau is playing 
hurt. And, you know, that's not really helping. I think the biggest thing here, I know we could talk about needing to upgrade cornerback two, maybe upgrading, you know, the slot corner position, definitely upgrading the linebacking core. How about just the guys that we have learning to tackle? Yeah, 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 I was going to say, those are things we, we all know about. And it's not going to help anything this week, next week, as we finish this playoff push. It's the biggest the biggest problem for this game was mistackling. It was just uh, mistakes that, you know, are probably preventable that, you know, they extended drives. They caused Both touchdowns. touchdowns were on broken tackles. Exactly. So how did they score 20 points? Well, there's 14 right there. 14. The, the only other thing they gave up were two field goals, one right. of which was deep inside their own 10, maybe? Definitely in the red zone. It was right mm-hmm. off of the Jones fumble at the beginning yeah. of the game. Mm-hmm. So this defense actually played extremely well. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau nearly got a safety at the end of the game to win the game. Would have been outstanding to watch. Um, what a cool way that would have been to end the game. Because it was like, oh, what, fourth quarter with like maybe three minutes left? Well, it wouldn't have been much different than the end of the uh, the Baltimore game, right? Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, basically the same thing. Yeah, Or, or was that in overtime when he made the sack? I don't think so. Uh... I think it was i don't remember but my, honestly my the, old... the fourth the fourth quarter and overtime blend for me yeah <laughs> it because it was like that same level of like nerves um yeah that's that was the game i was in the car so i was listening on the radio with that one so what are you talking about what the the baltimore game i was in the car so oh like, oh, oh oh yeah 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 um interesting scenario on defense um, I mentioned the poor tackling. Fabian Moreau was among them. Cordell Flott, very young, very raw, struggled to tackle, but also struggles in coverage a little bit. The most interesting thing is that, you know, Darnay Holmes was out this week. He's hurt. He didn't practice. Uh, there was a chance he was going to be out. Zion Gilbert, a straight-up undrafted free agent, practice squad player, made his career debut, played okay i guess up against the run and you know in the box and whatever but coverage wise was just not good mm-hmm. interestingly rodarius williams admittedly not a slot corner got zero snaps this week was upset about it was not he, happy he, yeah. he made it known um but i mean he is coming off of a game where he played his first game back from a torn acl and got an interception against a far better team and a better quarterback with better receivers yeah um, I think legitimate gripe probably. The back end so. did not did not do any favors for them. Um, I'm not going to sit here and put Rodarius Williams on some pedestal like he's anything more than the fifth or sixth round pick or whatever that he was, whatever. But when put on the field, he has performed, and there's nothing more you can ask for a guy. It doesn't matter where you're drafted. It doesn't matter where you went to college. I None just, of that look, matters. Look, did last week. If he did well last week, you should. I mean, we're not talking about you know getting every snap. We're talking about getting demoted to not even seeing the field at all. I mean, unless there's something going on behind the scenes, which we're unaware of, but well, here's the thing, right? Darius Slayton was buried on the depth chart at the beginning of the year. And it was only until injury and I guess ineffective, no injury injury between Kenny Galladay, Kadarius, Tony, you know, etc. Sterling Shepard, I think also got injured mm-hmm. before he finally saw the field and then it was clear as day that the dredges of wide receivers that they were parading out in front of him on the depth chart with David Sills, who we have not seen in many weeks now, 
all these guys that were getting playing time ahead of them were clearly worse receivers. Mm -hmm. They were also guys that this regime, I don't know, either valued or what? I mean, David Sills is an undrafted free agent, so he's not. He may be a prior regime guy, but he's also not an investment like Darius Slayton is. He didn't have any trade value like Darius Slayton might have. They mm-hmm. might have they might have kept Slayton on the on the shelf for you know trade potential or something like that. But Rodarius Williams is straight up not their guy. But you know who is? Nick McLeod, Cordell Flott, Zion Gilbert, all their guys. Mm-hmm. And it starts to make me wonder, man. And I hope that this isn't why. I hope this isn't why people are sitting because it's it's foolish in my opinion. I mean, it, yeah, that's it. it if that's the case, that is – it's so idiotic. It, it qu- makes me question their uh, judgment, and I don't think I want to do that yet. I, I don't think that's the case. I mean – I should it, hope not. Right. But... I mean if you're trying to prove a point that, well, those are not my guys, why are they on the roster? <laughs> you know, but purge them at the beginning of the season in training camp whenever. Well, I, I, I guess – so Nick McLeod, they've rolled with for a while. Rodarius Williams was legitimately hurt. He was on IR when they began rolling with him, and he played. He's okay in coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's not a guy that should be starting, but he's a guy in. He's asking snaps. Yeah, snaps. But, but but I mean, I like him. I I'm even def- I've defended Nick McLeod in the past. I liked him from the moment he started getting preseason snaps. I was like, oh, this isn't bad. I can mm-hmm. I can handle this if we need to use this. But Cordell Flott. I said right from the get-go that I was super excited about that draft pick, but he's very young. He's very raw. He has issues in his game. He's getting snaps over Darius Williams, who I didn't like as a draft pick with the prior regime, but was instantly wooed by the way he played on the field. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, man. It's it's less so about Zion Gilbert for me because I think he was relegated more to the slot. I didn't watch snap by snap and take tally, but, um, but Cordell Flott is not. And, mm-hmm. you know... I just I don't know. I really hope that this isn't the same thing that that's just just a stupid coaching thing where coaches just like their guys and that's it. I hope this is. I think if we were out of it, if this is week one or week two, I'd buy into it more. But I mean, we are staring the playoffs right in our face, and if they are going to be that stubborn and say, which just doesn't make any sense, and I just don't believe. You're that rigid on, you know, at this point in the season, at this, you know, again, you win this game, you have an inside track for the wild card. A hundred percent. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense to sit talent in any scenario. I mean, you should be pulling out all the stops, the, the, the annexation of Puerto of Rico course. play from little giants. If it works, it works. Score <laughs> points, win this game. Right. Um, so I, I don't know what to think. I hope it's not that, but I can't think of a real reason why Rodarius Williams wouldn't get snaps in this game. Unless, I can't. Unless there's some sort of injury we don't know about, unless there's some sort of disciplinary thing we don't know about. I mean, those make much more sense to me than just, all right, did good last week. Now that was your chance, and you're just going to sit. So I would think that because he did – he did take to Twitter a little bit to vent his frustrations with not playing. Um, and I would think that if it were a disciplinary reason, he would know it and that wouldn't happen, right? Most I mean, likely, it's, yeah. it's It's not like, it's like, hey, he's been a pain in the ass this week. We're going to sit him. Like, it's right. it's usually like, 
you did this. You're not playing now. You know what I mean? Like, they, right. they, well, who I, knows? I mean, these so guys, I, I guess they're spoiled. They can do whatever they want. Who knows? Take Crowder. Take Crowder also vented his frustration for not playing. Take Crowder has been a starter for a long time. He has had his ups and his downs. Uh, I know everybody likes to shit on him for his mistakes. He also does make some really nice splash plays. He's a bit of a gambler with mm-hmm. jumping gaps. When he guesses right, he always makes a really good play. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll go right through the gap like a running back, and he'll make a tackle in the backfield. But sometimes he's wrong, and guys go through his empty gap for big gains. So he has legitimate reasons to be sat, and he's also had his chances to show that he's cleaned up this, that, and the other thing in this game. Um my question don't... to you is, wait, 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 hang on. My question to you is, with now two guys on the same side of the ball complaining about their playing time, are you worried about uh, vibes in the locker room? If they would have lost, yes. I think the, I think the tie makes it kind of a pass, and you just you're on to next week. You've got to be careful though, because they have lost what. Three of the last four, and now three of the last five with the tie thrown in. The only game that they've won in the last five was against the worst team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I don't know. I mean, that did not look like a team that had checked out at all. You know that there were a lot of opportunities to lose that game late, and they on defense they nutted up and they you know, prevented field, they caused, you know, just a field goal or making them punt, you know, in late in the fourth quarter and overtime. So uh, the effort is still there. The, the the will to win looks like it's still there. But, you know, we'll have to see. You know, I, you know, the, I, I, I don't, I'm not concerned just yet. Okay. I, I mean, I'm feeling a little bit, I'll say this much. The locker room vibes are very clearly different over the last couple of weeks, right? I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. Well, I, I, okay. The, yeah. the player vibes are definitely off. They're not winning, yeah. and there's a lot less. I don't know. It's very much exactly how it was under Joe Judge. Exactly how it was under Pat Shermer. It's just. It is what it's just very much like the same old like things that players say when they lose. It's like, oh, we'll just have to get back at it. We'll have to do this, that, and the other thing. You know really work on it i'm gonna have to work on this and it's like it's very i mean i know that but that's what happens when you lose yeah it's called losing it doesn't matter who the i mean if uh but they tied they didn't lose i don't know man it it, it, tying feels like losing this was a awesome game and and they didn't win sure um i I don't i think they would feel differently i think they would feel differently if they were down 10 points came back tied it and they just ended up a game in a tie i think they'd feel differently if it was on the road i i, I think they'd feel differently you mean if, if they, they if they if the score stayed 10 10 is that what you're saying no I'm just they saying were that, they were down 10 points and came up and tied it that's exactly what happened uh like late coming back i mean oh okay we were up they they blew the lead yeah it was 2013 right right but i'm saying let's say they were down you know, twenty to seven, and they came okay. So, do you, so from your perspective, okay. So then that speaks to the Washington Commander fan mentality of they came back to tie it. They prevented a loss, even if yeah, they didn't but win. They were they were a little over the top because it wasn't an heroic comeback. It wasn't an historic comeback. It no, wasn't it was a, a fucking missed tackle. Yeah, it was just sort of happened, and it wasn't in the last minute of of regulation. It wasn't one of those things like. 
you know, a two-minute drill at the end of the game and just, you know, it was just like they scored and we didn't do anything, they didn't do anything, and it was was overtime. So Mm -hmm. there, that was a lot of, and again, we'll use our experience of the guys who were sitting right directly around us. Oh, I mean, he was a drunk asshole. The second that guy walked in, he was an asshole. Also, those weren't their seats. That's true. We should, we really should start just narking on people and not, and we're not in their seats. I, I mean, I, I don't want to be that guy. I, I'm starting like, to think I do because it's just, it's one of those things, man. Like I want people to have fun and I don't care if you're wearing the other team's colors or whatever, but like, first of all, your back shouldn't sec- be to the field. The second, I was going to say the second you turn around and you're looking at fans because look at me, what's up. It's fair. It's a game on. And you know, there's a, there's one thing to be a fan and root for your team, and there's another where it, the, the, the focal point becomes you. Which I'm the visiting fan, so they're going to pick on me. I'm going to go ahead and be loud right away. I'm going to be the I'm asshole. the one who sticks out. And it's, yeah. it's, like, it's like a me first kind of thing where it's just like before you guys rag on me, I'm going to make myself known. And it's just mm-hmm. really annoying. It's not something I do. Um, and I don't really care if the, if the, and I honestly don't care if someone from the other team, whatever, stands up next to me and is cheering and is high-fiving other guys, whatever, when they score. There's, there's That's no, all fine. There's nothing wrong. Cause we'll do the exact same thing in another stadium, but hell yeah. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. It's called being a fan. I mean, the day StubHub came into existence and the day they legalized scalping and the day they, you know, encourage it, secondary markets. That's the atmosphere that are in stadiums now. There, there is no more universal home field advantage where there's seventy thousand, even in places like Green Bay or Dallas or Kansas City. Watch them play a team like you know a, a big popular fan base that's on the road. There's a lot of blue in Lambeau when the Cowboys are playing the Packers and things like that. But the thing is, you know, again, be a fan. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Um. All right. So. Let's flip this to the other side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I gave out stars to the entire defensive line Same. and Julian Love. They got they got stars for me. The only stars. Uh, defense got a fart for tackling, and I'm going to flip another fart over to the offense. John okay. Feliciano and Mark Lewinsky, both of them. The interior. I mean, let's face it. This is a very good interior defensive line for Washington. These guys have been pretty not good most of the year. Um, Mark Lewinsky, I mean, right away was not good and continued to not be good throughout the Let whole length of this game. Grump, do you give a fart for someone who just is what he is? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I do. He got a three-year contract. He's got to live up to better than that. And okay. also, I mean, the sack on Daniel Jones in the very beginning, which I think he only got sacked twice— once or twice, um, he got beat so immediately it's not even funny. I mean, really, just a, a two-hand swipe, hands off of him, and Jerome Payne's right around him. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay. And like I think in that moment, it was like the first drive of the game. I was like, death taxes and Mark Lewinsky chasing after the guy he was supposed <laughs> to be blocking. And it just continued to happen the whole game. I'm going to give anyone a far. I don't care if that's who he is. Because he's not Jack Anderson. He was signed to be here. Well, you know what I mean? Look at Joe Shane. What? At this 
No, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's he he commanded money on the open market. Do you know what I mean? He has to. Li- he doesn't have to live up to the numbers. I don't. I, I guess it's not really his responsibility what he was given. But either way, he's the free agent. He's not the undrafted free agent guy or whatever. He was brought here to be a starter, and he's played like shit. Right. So I guess the I think the, the fart goes to both. It's just a. It was a bad signing. <laughs> he's not that bad. He's not. No. Uh, okay, move on. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going down that road. It's like Joe Shane had to sign somebody with limited money. So I, what, I'm supposed to punish him because of the cap situation he was in. No. I, it's okay for Mark Lewinsky to be a, a starter at this point in his career and should have played better and and has played bad all year. Quite frankly, has not been yeah, good all year. I, I, I mean, said it. Like... I said it weeks ago, months ago. But he's not that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He is named the starter. He earned the starting spot. He has to play better. I don't. I don't want to hear this. He is who he is. Shit. That's what you say when you have a five ten wide receiver that has to play outside or something. It's like, well, that's not him. Well, you know what I mean? It's, that's not his game. Too, wouldn't you say? What? He has to play now. I mean, we just uh, the lack of talent we have on this offensive line right now. He has. It doesn't to play. matter. He was handed the starting spot because we don't have anybody else. Right. That's what I'm is saying. It? So I mean, it's kind of it is what it is right now. I I, I guess he had yeah. it even when people were healthy though. This rock. I mean, do you think he'll be here at this in point? At this point, Ben Bredesen is. We're better off with him at right guard. Yeah. <sighs> It's a sorry state, but it's true. Um, but no, and 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 to answer your question, as far as farts go, I'm never going to not give a fart. If, if someone deserves a fart, they deserve a fart, and we okay. established that a long time ago. Okay. Um, but John Feliciano has been on and off. Uh, he's had games where he was good enough. It's always been scrappy play. He's had games where he's bad. He was not that great in this game, but the ta- the taunting call is brutal. And I don't want to hear the excuse like I was flexing at Slayton. I don't care. That's bullshit. Yeah, it's I mean, it's relax. also it's just dumb. Right. Just just fucking I I don't know. High five the guy. Whatever. I I don't care. The rule the rule's not new this year either. So isn't it new last year? It's also it's something that you know gets called. You I was watching a game last week and I saw the exact same. I don't remember what game it was. Exact same thing happened, and. The officials saw it and threw the, you know, and they threw the flag way up in the air, like the emphatic flag throw. That's what happened. Um, I will say the officials were okay in this game. I would say they were a little shoddy with some ball placement. They were a little inconsistent with their PIs. Um, there were some weird clock things, but overall, I would say it was not leaning one side or another. And I would also say that nothing was like super duper egregious. Um, that was just like I don't know. And also, I have a flat mandate that you never let a game be in a situation where the officials can take it from you. Just don't do it because they'll screw up calls. They're human, and there are replay rules that do not allow every single facet of the game to be looked at. That just is a fact. So, yeah. as a player, as a team, as a coach. You have to keep the game out of the reach of the referees to fumble it for you. And they didn't do that. Um, I, mean, I guess there was like some kind of bullshit with uh, offsides. They definitely were holding Richie James in a clock scenario. That kind of savvy veteran shit happens all the time. Right. People lay on top of guys, whatever. This was a little more, more clear where he got up and was clearly trying to put the ball down where it belongs. And he was getting held. It also was all of like one or two seconds. 
If the penalty is extra yards, okay, I get it. But I don't know. Overall, I'm not going to blame the officials for calling what the rule is. It's still the rule. And the, the, the problem with this rule is that you'll never be able to tell who is flexing at who and over who and who's aimed at whoever. It's just Maybe just don't do that shit. Maybe yeah, do exactly. it to absolutely nobody. And by the way, John Feliciano, if you're not the one who made the play, don't do anything. <laughs> High five the guy who gets to flex. Maybe do that. But I think my, my big thing about that, and I, even in the moment I didn't blame him that much, it's the justification of the locker room. Saying that you're having to play two teams and all this other horse shit. Just own up to the fact that you had to eat that one. And it's your fault yeah. that we negated a 15-yard play, essentially. Yeah. It's your fault. Yeah. And you can be mad about it, but the official just did his job. Yeah. And it's going to be called every time. And the, the rule called. is set up where it's an interpretation of the official as to who's doing what. It's all interpretation, so don't leave it up to them. I don't fucking know. I get I mean, it. I just, you want to I celebrate, but call me old man who you know shakes his head at the at the clouds or whatever. But I, this whole shit has to slow down. This you know this constant look at me celebrating every little thing like it's you know they just won the Super Bowl. You know this borderline taunting on almost every play. It's like enough. None of you guys are original. You're all copying each other. It's not fresh. It's not cool. You just look like assholes, and it costs your team. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if, if, if the union's protecting these guys, their freedom of expression, if they think it's trying to attract younger audiences or, or whatnot, but it's just, it's so distracting, and it's, you know, I think detrimental to the sport. Well, all right. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, go down too much of this path, but I agree with you, but... I can tell you exactly what it is. The NFL likes it. You know why the NFL likes it? Because it's free marketing. They take all those clips, even if they got penalized on it, and they fuck. They put it on commercials, whatever. They sure. love this shit. Sure. They love this shit because little kids love this shit, and little yep. kids tell their parents they want this jersey, that jersey, whatever. It's marketing. That's all it is. Is marketing. Yeah. So the NFL likes it. So they want the big team running toward the end zone camera and celebrating a turnover and. They, they love seeing Ezekiel Elliott jump into the stupid Salvation Army jar. They love that stuff. Um, so that's why it's still loud. I, I've not been a fan. I, I used to make we'll, we'll fun of Jeremy that. Shockey for, well, for when every— we the, When we get to our division roundup, I have a couple of things to say about Dallas, about shit like that. So I'll okay. just hold it for now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just My last thing is I've, I've held this opinion for a long time now, and it used to date back to Jeremy Shockey. Literally every single catch he would have something. It's just like, dude, it was like a four-yard out route. Can you Ugh. chill out? You don't remember not not, not saying that he wasn't a good player or made exciting plays, but it would be literally every catch he had something. And it's just like infuriating. Yeah, you, you don't remember the, the Hurricanes in the 80s, and he's a legacy of that. But, like, they were so obnoxious. They, You know, a Michael Irvin or, or, or one of these guys would make a first-down catch, take their helmet off. And do a, like almost bowing for making a first down catch. They were that was the, that's the culture, and he's a product of that. And it, it made so many people hate that team, myself included. And you're right, it's 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 so. Uh, again, we sound like old men, but I think a lot of us agree with us as much as the kids who love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, but and and also like, 
I don't know. I'm a, I'm a bit of a rah-rah person anyway, but even I still wouldn't do shit like this. It's, just like, it, it's really know. no different than the asshole sitting next to us who has to turn around and make it Oh, dude, me. literally pounding his chest after it... not winning a game. I That's... was completely befuddled. But these guys who do all this stupid shit, they turn it into look at me as opposed to let's celebrate, uh, you know, let's spontaneously celebrate and be general emotion of a great play happening. It turns to... You know, look at me. Choreographed, look at me. Yeah, it's really dumb. Fuck um, offense, side of the ball. Offense. This is where it gets interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And this is pretty much where they lost the game. Um, so, Daniel Jones, interesting stat line here. Mm-hmm. He threw the ball 31 times, mm-hmm. okay? He ran it 12 Mm-hmm. He was 25 of 31, but for only 200 yards, one mm-hmm. touchdown, four sacks, 12 carries, 71 yards. That's pretty pretty impressive. One fumble. Um, but I want to wrap into this Saquon Barkley as well. 18 carries for 63 yards, a touchdown, five catches on five targets for 18 yards. Be- before I you- want your thoughts. I want your thoughts. Well, my first thought when you gave up, you know, Daniel Jones' numbers was, what if I told you Daniel Jones? Was twenty six for thirty two for two forty five. Is that the Darius Slayton drop? Yes. Okay. Um. Those are very good numbers. They are very good numbers, but you are adding only one throw, so it's throwing what a perceived average is. That's true. Like, but also, when like- I when I read those numbers, like if if you were to tell me right now, I'm not watching the Bucks or yeah, I'm not watching the Ugh. Bucks game right now. But if you told me the stat line at the end, and you told me that it was 26 of 32 for 245 yards and a touchdown, whatever, I would assume a much different game than what was actually played on the field. That's what I'm saying. And but I and also if I told you that basically he threw to. Three receivers. I mean, we're looking at, you know, Slayton, Hodgkins, and Richie James. That's it for his receivers. He's a lot of it, you know, there's, you know, there's five to, to Bellinger, great returning him, five to Barkley, one to Breda. It's just the options for a more vertical passing game just aren't there right now, other than one guy. I, I completely agree with you, and and, and I yeah. understand that. And I, I think that's kind of where everything goes. So I know that people like to parse through Daniel Jones' stats on a week-by-week basis and give a state of the union of whether or not mm-hmm. he should return, what this mm-hmm. means about him. And, you know, the the argument that it's like, well, why does everything have to be perfect for him? It's like, well, it doesn't. But what would you like a good quarterback to do with the game plan that they were given? What would you like a good quarterback? What what does a good quarterback's numbers look like with this group? Is it better than twenty five of thirty one? What is it? Is it thirty of thirty one? Like, it, do you think that suddenly because you know Aaron Rodgers is back there that the exact same receivers are suddenly getting more yards? It's not because Daniel Jones can't air it out. It's these receivers can't catch. They can't run routes. They're not threatening. Re- let's remember. You know, the plan for opening day was Sterling Shepard, mm-hmm. was Kadarius Tony, mm-hmm. it was Wendell Robinson. Yes, it was Kenny Galladay. Mm-hmm. 
And but he's also he wasn't active for this game, so it's not like he was benched. No, 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 no. But I'm getting to a point of those are four guys that were penciled in to really be ahead of Darius Slayton. You know. Yeah. It, so my my point is right now who you're relying on for QB one is a guy that really didn't figure into their plans. He was down in the practice squad for a bit, right? Wide receiver one. Uh, no, I don't believe yeah. so. Darius Slayton was you, on the practice squad. He never was dropped you, down. No, I don't think so. I mean, you can look it up if you want, but I don't ever remember seeing it. I think he was. Okay. But the point was, he was not in the rotation. And absolutely. And it was, we established that at the beginning. He was yeah. absolutely buried on the depth chart. Right. And now we're, we're relying on him. We're, Daniel Bellinger, you know, glad he's back. He, he was out for a while, but he's still a fourth-round draft pick. He is not Tony Gonzalez. Nope. So, you know, again, him coming back, people think all of a sudden there's going to be this, uh, you know, massive shift in the way this offense is going to be executing and, and, and you know well i mean i thought there would be a shift in how they would be executing offensively but not really in the passing game i thought he was going to offer up i mean the routes that he really runs with success in this offense are the same routes that we've been running with other tight ends mm-hmm. you know what i mean it wasn't that it was that yeah. he was a better blocker as well as a you know viable right. option where I expected the shift to be maybe he would be a little bit more open. He would get a couple more yards out of it. But it's not like he was going to suddenly be running, you know, 15-yard out routes or, you know, running up the seam like a madman. Yeah, exactly. I didn't expect that. But I did expect, you know, maybe it's like two more yards on average per play that he gets thrown the ball. And I also thought he would affect the running game. The running game, I do want to talk about Saquon Barkley because I don't want to harp yeah. on Daniel Jones for forever. No, no, no. I, I think we're done with him. Because there's a couple of by the way, how, overall, in a word, Daniel Jones, this game, he was... Did everything he could to help us win. <laughs> Without yeah, Daniel I, Jones, we're far worse. Yeah, he, I thought he was fine. I had yeah. no issues one way or another. Yeah. Um, Saquon Barkley, on the other hand, 18 carries, 63 yards. He got the touchdown. In general, it just... I don't know. I don't want to. This is a really tough defensive line. I will give Washington that every day of the week. They have a very talented defensive line. They have a really good defensive minded coach. Two of them, actually, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. Um, And we have a very bad interior offensive line. Nevertheless, this is just another game in which Barkley is nullified by what's around him. These difference makers that you get at the skill positions, if they are completely nullified by other things, are they difference makers? <laughs> I mean, by other things on your own roster. I mean, like, is Christian McCaffrey this ineffective? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, these, these are the kind of questions that go through my mind. And I'm not saying yes or no. I'm just, these are the things that I wonder because, I, I don't know. It just... This team is just very, very far away at fixing the interior of this offensive line because I don't think they're getting three guys in the middle. I'm not entirely sold on Josh Zudu, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I never really was. I think and we're he can far, grow, and, we're and it's still fine. we're far but... away from knowing that answer, too. I mean, the, it's his first year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. We, it, we're not even ready to make that determination. Are we keeping him or getting him? Really? He's still a rookie. I... I don't know. I does he look like the same runner? Just like just how he's like hitting holes and and and, and moving around like he was in the beginning of the year, or does it like normal wear and tear now that we're in week 
12 or 13 or you think there's something physically wrong with him? I don't think there's anything physically wrong with him. I think it's the normal wear and tear. I think it's the workload. I think I think this was a, a tough matchup for him, say that much. I, I also d- don't think they used him the way I thought they would. I thought we'd see a little bit more of him on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really see a whole lot of that. Um, some of the plays in which we did, there was there was one play where he he got knocked for like a five yard loss, where he just straight up got popped, not even that hard, and just kind of stumbled backwards and fell over, and that is very not Saquon Barkley. In a perfect world, how many rushes a game should he have? I think what eighteen he, is right. Eighteen? Don't you think like eighteen to twenty three based on the opponent, the matchup, whatever. Yeah, and the and the game plan, right? Th- that's what I feel. Let's say tw- let's use a number of twenty, a round number. Yeah, so fine. this year, he has gone over twenty, two, four, five, six times. He has it in the last three weeks. That Houston game, he had thirty-five carries, and since then, he's had fifteen, eleven, and eighteen. So they're not. I mean, it's a little more than we would like, but he's only gone over thirty twice. The Chicago game and the Houston game. That Houston game, they were just they. I, we both thought they went into a shell and just were being pretty conservative and just trying to run the game out. And he also had 152 yards. So he was very effective too. But I don't get the sense like he's, you know, Derrick Henry where they're just riding this guy, just wearing him down to a nub. No, I don't. I don't think anymore. Uh, I think. I mean, I think just in general, I think it's just the general wear and tear for him. It's the first full season he's played in. Yeah. How long? Three years. Yeah. He hasn't played a full season in a long time. His shoulder mm-hmm. hurts. He's got yeah. a shoulder injury. And that's the kind of thing that you just kind of chisel in uh, into the interior lines and bust through holes or whatever. So right. I, th- I, th- I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's also yeah, – this is a good defensive front. The last couple of weeks, the offensive line, especially in the middle, has been banged up. So we've had backups in there. Nick Gates shouldn't. It is insane to me that Nick Gates is playing. Mm-hmm. I, it's just it's wacky that he's playing a year removed from right. nearly losing his leg. And that that just tells you all you need to know about the offensive line. Where if it this does. line was better, he he'd be on a little maybe not as accelerated rate of having to come back and be absolutely. A, he would be a backup. Guy. He would yeah. be a backup. Right. Um, it's it's pretty nuts. Uh, I, I think that's all it is with Barkley. I don't think he's gotten worse. I don't think anything like that. Let's bring this to the offense here. The bigger question is, are they just conservative? Have they changed on offense? I would say it's indisputable that Brian Dable and his aggressiveness, generally speaking, game decisions, not the game plan, not a play-by-play yeah. basis. Game decisions has been markedly less aggressive than the beginning of the year. I would agree, but I also think you know your team more throughout a season, and I think injuries play a, a, a fact in it also. I don't think they do. They started the year hurt. I don't know. I... I... I how many instances really of the aggressiveness, like I guess going for it on fourth down, you're saying, as opposed to the game plan? Because, you know. Yeah, yeah, things like that. Going for two against Tennessee, you know, choosing to punt on fourth and one from like the 40, things like that. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, there's certainly yeah. more instances of conservative behavior in recent weeks than in the beginning of the year. They were very aggressive at the beginning of the year. They took mm-hmm. chances. And I think, I mean, it's not far-fetched either to think, and I, I think it's very human to be like, well, they had kind of had a fuck it year. This was yeah. a fuck it year. This was a, we're rebuilding. We're going to do the best we can. We might as well just do whatever. I'm, then I'm build- they started protecting a lead. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build a culture here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get total buy-in from this, uh, these players that you know something. If we don't win, we're gonna have a go for it attitude, and maybe that's not the smartest decisions. Once you're, you know, playoffs are on the line, or you know, a win is on the line, but I don't think the the game plans are conservative. I, I've seen a lot of that, and I've seen a lot of, well, this coaching staff doesn't trust. Daniel Jones. So they're in more of a shell than they used to. I, I, the evidence isn't there. I mean, look at the play by play of this game, you know, after, you know, we took the lead or, you know, just we basically threw almost every play. We know that, that the series after they, they tied it, we threw two back to back bombs. That's not being conservative. That's not, not having trust in your quarterback. I just think it comes down a lot to execution. I think if these plays work, I don't think people are, you know, concerned about that because you know it's easier to run plays and be more aggressive when it's second and three as opposed to second and nine and second and ten. Yeah, I um, I think that a lot of their decisions that make them perceived as conservative are conservative or protecting people other than Daniel Jones, actually. Uh, I agree. You have, I you, have, agree. You, have, you have an offensive line that is more banged up than it was and is clearly playing worse. I think they're protecting the offensive line from being an absolute disaster. And so they're running a lot of very, very short routes. I know everyone wants to bring up the air yards for Daniel Jones and immediately be like, see, he can't throw deep. He absolutely can throw deep. He did it at Duke. He did it here. He did it under Pat Shermer. He actually does it very well. Um, what he needs is a pocket in order to do it. And they can, for a couple of plays here and there, protect him long enough to throw a couple bombs. But not consistently. The offensive line isn't good enough to consistently mm-hmm. give him a passer's pocket for intermediate and deep routes. So they have to manufacture other ways. And quite frankly, they're not good enough at running plays and run blocking to run the ball as often as they want to. So they have to do these pseudo other things where Barkley motions out of the backfield and you hit him in stride in the flat to then turn it up. It's like an extended running play. Exactly. All of these things are just extensions of the running. They, these these jet things that are literally one yard downfield that Daniel Jones goes on a rollout and throws it. All that stuff, they're just, they're just masking bigger problems with the offense, not with Daniel Jones. Um, mm-hmm. as evidenced by Daniel Jones dropping back from time to time and throwing bombs, especially in the two-minute drill situation. I'll give the offense this. They, again, scored points in a two-minute situation at the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. It wasn't super pretty, but again, they did it. Um, isn't uh, figure skating where there's judges who are evaluating how pretty you are. It's to get the job done. It's just points, man. Yeah, it's just and points. And then again, you know, after all those things do work, you know, there is time in the, in the, in the pocket. He does throw deep. You've got to have receivers who can catch. And Darius Slayton, again, is really wide receiver five on this team. And the biggest knock on him has been drops balls at the most inopportune time. And, uh, you know, know, it wasn't a perfect throw. I'll give Slayton a little bit of... Yeah, but uh, I hate this shit where it's just like, 
why does Daniel Jones have to be perfect? If, if the I, argument is that why does everything I'm have not, to be no, perfect no, no, for I, Daniel Jones? I, I know, I know, I understand. I'm I'm preempting the people at home who are like, see, he just said it wasn't perfect. I'm if everything has to be perfect for Daniel Jones, then why does Daniel Jones have to be perfect? I don't I don't understand that that, that dichotomy of that argument. Perfect is it not doesn't. the enemy of the very very good, and it was a good throw. It's it's, it's a ball that should be caught. In my and opinion, I thought Daniel, Darius Slayton tracked it poorly. I think. Mm-hmm. Partially because people pointed out he was really just running a clear-out route that Daniel Jones saw that they were going to cheat on and he would be open. There may have been—this is really not designed to be an actual target on that play. But either way, he slowed up. He turned to his inside shoulder. He just kind of—he adjusted. At one point, his entire back is to the end zone where he's leaping to make the catch. He kind of mistimes his jump. I don't want to say it's 100% Darius Slayton's fault. The, the, the play is a little wonky. It's a, it was a gamble shot. The throw was not perfect, but Darius Slayton screwed up all over the place on that. That's play. an 85% Darius Slayton fault. Yeah. And, and Tom I, Brady I think just, he knows it too. Tom Brady just did it again. Which is? Drove down the field, scored with three seconds left. They kicked this extra point. They're going to win. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> again, they looked absolutely awful for 59 minutes and 57 seconds. <laughs> huh. What are you going to do? Um, I, I agree with you. I don't think that the game planning is conservative, or I don't think that they're protecting Daniel Jones. Or not in the least. They're, 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 they don't, it's not that they don't have trust in him to run the plays. Uh, they are running a game plan with the personnel that they have on the field. I think. Um, I agree with you there. Uh, com- completely, completely. So- I will say that it's shitty. It sucks. Like the game plans on a week by week. Like it's it's frustrating to watch. Is it not? It's it, it is frustrating. Well, you know something. It's, it's all, but it's also like a game plan that like wants to highlight. Though, I mean, yeah, I they can move. It, this is not. They have to punt seven times. You know, this is not like that. I mean, they did punt seven times. They punted seven times. Yeah, look it up. Wow, I just picked that number randomly out of a, a number, but. I mean, they went into overtime too. So they went in overtime, um, but it. it let me amend that. Maybe not playing stuff, but it doesn't seem like a three and out offense. Like just. Ooh, you might want to look up those three and out stats there, buddy. <laughs> it didn't, it doesn't feel like it, I guess. On a week by week, I mean, what it does feel like is it's waiting for players to make a play and they're running out of skill players. Like Darius yeah. Slayton making plays is he's beating one guy. You're relying on the athleticism of a guy to beat another guy. And that's it. Because from then on, it's just, you know, like a foot race or whatever. Now, I mean, one of the best options we have is not fast. It's Daniel Bellinger. I mean, this is an offense that's designed for a Wandale Robinson to put a foot in the ground and go the other direction and and make 11 guys chase him. We don't have Wandale Robinson right now. We have a bunch of guys whose names are mysteries. We had, in this game, one... There's like four three and outs in there in the second half alone. Two, three, four. We had four. And how many four and outs? Uh, I think there's two. Maybe one. One. Um It's it's a it's an offense that's designed for one guy to make a make a move. Make yes. people miss, and, and we, we don't, don't have, have guys that, that can move. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's frustrating to watch, but I don't think it's to, it. I don't think it's because of lack of trust in Jones. 
I, I agree. And now this is the first week we're starting to see people starting to turn their attention to. I don't know if Mike Kafka is the guy. I mean, again, just kind of what we were just saying. Players got to play. If you don't got the players, it doesn't matter who the coordinator is, really. And also, for a couple weeks ago, we were mentioning some wonky things here and there with the offense. I was like, he's a first-year coordinator. You know what I mean? Like, there's Mm going to be instances where you're like, what the hell was he doing? We do that now with entrenched offensive coordinators. Can we also, you know, I I don't know if this is the right thing or not to do, but let's go back to what we thought this offense was going to be in this team back in August. I mean, this offense I still think is better than I thought it was going to be before, you know, when the season started. Like Daniel Jones is better than I thought he would be. I don't even I don't even know how to comment on that. Yeah, I guess Daniel Jones is better. Uh, I don't know how to comment on that. The, I I couldn't envision this being the offense like what we saw on on Sunday because like half the personnel isn't playing. Yeah. That I that I thought at the beginning of the year. So. But overall, I actually think this offensive line overall is playing better than I, I I expected it to be worse. I thought, you know, Daniel Jones would be running for his life most of the time. Yeah, I guess so. You know, and Barkley has fallen off in the last quarter of the of the season, but he's had a pretty decent year, which yeah. he would not have had last year, I don't think. I mean, again, this is not uh, the greatest show on turf. This isn't one of the, the all-time great offenses. I'm not saying that, but based on what my outlook was on this team in July, I think it's better. I guess so. I, I think, you know, when we were when we were gushing over this team and, you know, the things were just like where we were aggressive, I will say a lot of the wacky formations and cool little motion plays or whatever, we're not seeing them as much as we were, right? And even I would say that we're getting downright predictable. I called the touchdown play. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we love that route in the end zone. It's, yeah. it's just, I don't know. I, th- I understand where people are coming from with the conservative thing. I don't understand where people are coming from with the they don't trust Daniel Jones. Um, but I ultimately don't think either are true. I don't think that they're I – th- I guess the, the conservative nature is really just the – it's not working. A lot of what a lot yeah, of what they they ran worked better at the beginning of the year. I, I tweeted that this morning. I was like, "Is it as simple as just execution? That they're just now, you know, players make coaches look a lot better and they make them look a lot worse." You know, uh, you know he this, again. We talked about Daniel Jones's numbers. Well, if you add one play where there's execution, where a pass is completed, those numbers look a lot nicer. And then it's really hard to say it's conservative when you throw him for two forty five at least, and who knows how the rest of that drive would have turned out. It could have been more. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to go around the league? Philly won, Dallas won. Uh, uh, we in Washington tied, so it's like a pretty brutal weekend for us. I know that uh, – I know it was the Colts, but this Cowboy team is starting to scare me as being, you know – a legitimately really, really, really good team. Now, they 150% ran up the score in that game. I mean, they're going for two and doing trick plays up late and, and being genuine assholes about it, but they're really getting on a roll right now. I'm not that... I don't... I don't, I don't know. 
I'm still not that. Right now, I'll say this. If C.D. Lamb gets hurt, they're screwed. Even right now, it, it seems like he is the engine of this offense. And then off of that, they're kind of mixing in some Gallup and some Dalton Schultz. And running the ball well, too. And running the ball. Yeah, yeah, but uh, C.D. Lamb is making things happen, happen. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's just not touching the ground on plays. He's just bouncing off of defenders that are laying there, scoring touchdowns on plays he should have been tackled. Like, things like that, that's what makes them scary. If he gets hurt or something like that, like, it's – they're just the same Cowboys that are mostly good and then shit the bed when things go go wrong. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, they're really good. I'm not – I'm not freaking st- out over it. I think now I'm more worried about them than Philly. I think – see, that's where I think you're out of your mind. <laughs> because that's that's a quarterback that literally can make things happen. Dak Prescott, I do not believe, is a guy who makes things happen. Dak has, since the moment he's been here, been in a perfect situation. That's fine, but that perfect situation is rolling right now. and, I, yeah, and, and is- But, but Jalen Hurts is now in a very perfect situation and wasn't always, and he can make things happen when things aren't there. I'm more worried about Philly. And I think Philly's defense is better. And, and, you know, Dak has been there when we get to the playoffs. Jalen Hurts has not been in the playoffs yet, right? Yeah. So, I mean, let's see. Has Dak won a game? Well, he's been there. Okay. He can can join the pantheon of Tony Romo playoff appearances as well. That's fine, though. But still, he's been there where we— Jalen Hurts, you know, who knows? The, 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 he turned into a pumpkin when he gets to the, the, the much brighter lights of a playoff game. Well, let's hope they both do. That, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Uh, I'm just going to shrug at that because I, I don't know. I, I feel like neither team has really come crashing back to earth yet, and it has to happen eventually because neither one of them are the perfect team. I don't think the Eagles are an 11-1 team. They're, they are, you know, it's those two. I think those, it's, especially now that San Francisco is, you know, effectively done. Kaput. Yeah, I mean, they're the two best teams in the NFC, I, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I got to be I, honest. I'm not. I'm like not even paying attention. Either. I don't really. I'm not worried about that right now. Like right now, I'm focused on us getting where we need to be, um, because. Much as I would like this show to be where we can talk about the, I, I guess, like the division, oh, the league. I know, but I mean, I want that to be the case, right? Like, I want us to be in Dallas's spot where, like, who do we have to worry about? Like, let's look ahead a little bit. Like, I can't even do that because we can't even beat the commanders. You know what I mean? Like, we had a lead. We blew it on a bad tackle. Uh, mm-hmm. We can't connect on on deep shots where the, the safety had his back to the receiver and had to loop around. The Giants have their own issues right now. And I just walked out of a stadium in which uh, it felt like we lost, but we didn't lose. Forget the fans for a minute. How do you think the Washington team itself feels coming out of that game? Do you think they're disappointed they they tied? Do you think they're happy they got the tie? What do you think they feel about this game? The Giant team, I'm pretty sure, is very disappointed that they lost. I, I think or that they're – I think they're less – I don't know, man. I, I I think that they are probably less disappointed than Giants. The Giants team. Um, I think they're. I think the way they come away with that is kind of like a shrug. Like I, you know what? That's not so bad. You know, we, they started out the year bad. They've been on a roll. They still haven't had a fucking bye week. 
And this yeah. is their last game before the bye, and they managed to bring it back. They started fast, scored 10 points quick. You know, they came a little bit crashing back to earth. They, they fell behind, but they were able to tie it back up, and they didn't lose the tie either. I got to be honest. You know, I thought there was a potential we were going to get boat raced pretty early on in that game. I don't know oh, how you were Because feeling. of the way it started? Yeah. I was, was willing to hang I was willing to hang out for a minute because, you know, the fumble was also it wasn't like if that had been like Daniel Jones steps back in the pocket and gets strip sacked and, you know, he's at we're at our own twenty three and Washington gets the ball there, it'd be a little bit different. But he he, you know, was running up the middle mm-hmm. and like even the fumble was like, I did he fumble? I can't even see. Like I don't know. I was I was still kinda hanging out there for a minute. Because they didn't have the ball on their side of the field even I don't think they had yeah. they'd started their first two possessions with such a ridiculous field position I was like well let's see them drive down the field first right right um but I just don't know what kind of offense we have if we fall behind you know 17 points to a team it's like yeah, it's true it's a tall order and we were getting close it was, there was a potential for that happening and um fortunately it didn't I have no more notes on this game I don't. I just uh, the frustration is, is it was a wasted opportunity. We we need division wins, and that was we still don't know, have one. We still, we still don't have, have one. One. That's pathetic. That's pathetic, and we're gonna have only one more opportunity to have one at home, and unfortunately, it's against a team that's eleven and one. Yeah, statistically the best team in the league. Mm-hmm. So, this was a huge missed opportunity for the Giants. They they. They needed to win this game. They didn't. Now they've kicked the can down the road to the must-win game being away on a shitty, muddy grass field in a shitty dump of a stadium um, and playing a team that gets to get some of its players back because they have a like 13-game, 13 13-day 13 bye. Right. Uh, Chase Young will most likely be back and ready to play in that game. They managed to skirt by without that for this game, and they couldn't take advantage of it. So this was a huge missed opportunity. I feel like shit about it. Uh, it's only going to get harder from here. And now it's at the point where they need to win against Washington and Indy to have a, a shot. Uh, and they've they've put themselves in this situation. So we don't. I guess get... I, I guess I can't complain though because it's still better than I expected at the beginning of the year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, you know, this is the NFL, and crazy things happened, and you know. These are teams. I mean, we could beat we... Philly next week. Yeah, I was saying, would it shock me of shockers if we beat Philly at home next week? No, mm-hmm. I would. Would not be the most shocking thing that happened in my lifetime. I wouldn't go to Vegas and bet on it, but you know, could we go down that same escalator like we did last week and have a hundred and eighty degree difference in uh, emotion coming out? It's possible. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly would put it right up there with how I felt about us beating Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Which I didn't expect at all either. So you, ex- I know we're kind of trampling on our Thursday pod, but do you think you will see because you know it's an increase in uh, uh, talent level we're playing against? Maybe a little more of that go for it kind of mentality of you know more aggressiveness with you know fourth downs and things like that, or you think this shellness more is just that's the way it's going to be the rest of the year? I think they'll be more aggressive against opponents they they don't think they can beat. I I, I think I agree with you. Yeah, I think yeah. I think some of the gun shy behavior comes from 
like, well, we should beat this team, so let's not mm-hmm. do anything to get to beat us, which yeah. I think you saw against Houston, and I think you saw yep. it against Washington this week. Yep. And I think uh, that'll be interesting to see, you know, in the next couple of years as we get more talent, and it doesn't become a question of having to coach so much, you know, can talent win games more than just having to do that type of stuff. It'll be interesting to see how this coaching staff handles it. I hate this episode and I hate this game. A tie is stupid. I hate talking about it. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna better wrap this loss. up in. Yeah, it's better than a loss, but it doesn't feel like it. The it tailgate feels exactly the same. Tailgate was fantastic. Got to meet lots of people. Got to see people for the first time. Um, got to see, you know, people like Bobby, who we haven't seen in like a year. <laughs> now yeah. we saw him over the summer. Um, but yeah, we don't get to see those people a lot. It was cool getting everybody together. It was a gigantic extravaganza with food and and all that, like a catered food, I should say. Yeah. Um, it was no, fun. It was we we played a little trivia game too, which we kind of embarrassed ourselves a little. We embarrassed. We backed into a three for three with trivia questions. That was pretty amazing. <laughs> um, like like most things, I think that we do is we we it, it, we, we're we get the we're, we are Shaggy and Scooby solving the mystery by falling <laughs> down the stairs. That's what we are. Um, all right, that's gonna do it for this episode. As always, follow us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. Twitter at football underscore Grump at the Cranky Fan at Just Giants Pod. We will see you guys Friday morning with our Eagles podcast. And until then, go Giants. Let's go.